As you're having a seat, I want you to open up your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 10. We're going to get into this text. We're going to have the longest public reading of Scripture that we've ever had at 180. Come on, give it a hand. Not reading through Psalm 119, but close, let me tell you. Lend me your heart this morning. Father, as I bust open your word, just pray this morning, Lord, get me out of your way. I am so confident that you've got something for everyone today, Lord. Just make a way in our hearts. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for the quality of men and women that you've got here at 180. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we launch into your word that you would speak to us deeply. That we would hear your voice and that we would move. That we would consecrate ourselves for such a time as this. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Arise. Let's go. Let's inspire a discipleship revolution throughout Chicagoland that reaches the world. But let's get real. How in the world can we possibly affect change in Chicagoland? Come on. I mean, I heard about it last night from some friends. Their daughter and son-in-law were in this city in an area that's not normally known for this, and as they were just walking away from a restaurant, 30 shots rang out. Pew, pow, 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 pow. Big old shootout between two rival gangs. Right downtown Chicago. We see it all the time. We're in the national news. We're known for violence. Now we know, because we live here, that that stuff makes people freaked out. Paul Hansen shared last week when he was here, he says he's been telling people in Iowa City, yeah, we're feeling called to God, we're moving to Chicago, and people just look at him like, whoa, you've been called to a scary place. But is it scary or is it a mission field? What's your perspective on this thing? It changes everything. Living the life of a disciple of Christ without the Bible open will fill, the most, fill us with the most discouraging and derailing images than we could ever imagine. But fixing our eyes on Jesus, not the natural, but on the supernatural, can give us incredible relief and belief that God can truly move. I think most of us in this room struggle with thinking in terms of Chicago from a natural man solution. And there are natural things that have to happen. Our mayor, our new mayor, is wrestling with all kinds of issues that are resonant here in Chicagoland. But here's the point. If we only operate in the natural, there will never be solutions. And let me be so clear. There is no politician or political party that can turn Chicagoland around. That's not going to happen. I promise you that. But the supernatural is real. The supernatural. Have you believed that that is for another time and another place? 
Or have you gotten up this morning believing that God supernaturally causes things to come together that otherwise wouldn't? Do you believe in the supernatural movement of God? I'm not talking about your supernatural expressions. I'm not even talking about what many have called the sign gifts of our day. I'm not talking about tongues or healings or miracles that we do kind of through our hands. I'm talking about something far greater than this. I'm talking about moves of God that can't be explained by man and aren't even manifested through man. I'm talking about moves of God, the supernatural. Are you believing God for those things? One of the most encouraging things I get to do with parents that have wayward kids is to encourage him with this reality that it is the Holy Spirit that transforms hearts. I need you to hear me. No amount of natural man arguing, apologetics, dropping hints can transform a life like one whisper and one word from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's true. Human information versus Holy Spirit transformation, it's not even close. This is why Jesus himself said to Nicodemus, people are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the problem is, and I like to say, I want to say this from time to time, I want to say this, sound old English now. At times I'll say this because I mean it. We have to be so careful because Satan has set a trap for us to almost ignore or diminish the supernatural because we see guys on TV or hear things or have seen things that look just straight up wiggy and nutso. And that's real. But this is a proverbial, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We've got to have a biblical understanding of the supernatural. And when we do, you will never pray the same again. I promise you that. There's some of you that have tried to work out in the natural in your life what only the supernatural can do. And it's as practical as where you move, where you live, how, how you operate your life and the hobbies that you have and where you express those and the people that you marry. All of those are filled in by the author of life supernaturally. Think about this. In Judges 6, Gideon is called to defeat 135,000 men. 135,000. And he only had 32,000, but he stood before him and he said, listen, it's going to get scary and dicey out there. If any of you want to go home, go ahead and go home. Whoop, he's down to 12,000 people. 20,000 went home. Now to the 12,000, God said to Gideon, we got to whittle it down a little bit more. And there's this interesting story of Herod's spring at Gilboa, and he gets down and he says, all right, guys, go drink water at the creek. And God said, Everyone who laps up the water, this is found in Judges 6, everyone who laps up the water in a certain way, you pick them. And we do not really know. A lot of people say that the lapping up of the water would have been like a lapping up of the water like dogs. 
like it would have been the really goofy guys, not the ones that cupped their hands and drank, but it had been the goofy guys that go down and try to lap up water. But that would have been crazy because would you believe there's theologians that have done some study on this only to find out a human tongue doesn't work like a dog's tongue. You can't get any water in like a dog laps up water. But whatever it was, it was odd enough that 300 were selected. 300 people. Men. Ragtag group. Lit flames in these little pots. He distributed them well around the 130 plus thousand warriors that were in a valley. And he says, when I give the trumpet blast, crack those pots, we're going to make us 300 look like a whole lot of folks. And they won the battle that day. 300 against 130-some thousand. In 2 Kings 6, it's one of my favorite stories. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Samaria is under siege. Ben-Hadad of the Assyrians is outside, and he's got this city cut off. I mean, there's no way in, there's no way out. It got so bad that they were starving them out, and this is how brutal regimes were then. They were starving out this city. King Jehoram's walking around the walls of the city, assessing what's going on. I was thinking about this. I thought, that's interesting. He's on the parapet of the walls, and he's not even afraid of getting killed. I think they were more than happy to let them starve to death, even the king. And they're just sitting out there going, getting hungry? Oh, they were hungry. A quart of dove poop sold for one month's wages. They were starting to sell horse heads horse heads for a year's salary they would undoubtedly skin the head boil the head probably take because there's a lot of meat in the cheeks of horses probably carve out the meat they would open the cranium they would eat the brains out of those horses anything they could do to get some protein in them they were in trouble but worse than that King Jehoram stood on the parapet wall. He looks down and he sees two women and they're screaming and he says, what's going on? And the women looked up and one just began to yell, King, we made a deal. We're so hungry, King, we made a deal that yesterday we would boil my son and we would eat him. And we did. And then today we were going to Boil her infant and eat him, but she's hidden him, O king. King just tore his robe. He said, you go get me to his assistant. He said, you go get me that prophet Elijah. I want his head on a platter. Look at this hellish mess we're in. Messenger runs down tries to find Elijah they pin the door he's yelling through the door he says the king wants you he says tell the king in 24 hours everything changes here the economy's going to be restored we're going to be flourishing as a city the messenger said you're a fool if God opened the windows of heaven that wouldn't happen he said he will open the windows of heaven but you won't taste of it you're going to be trampled to death and then it goes to second kings chapter 7 scene shift and there were four lepers outside the city of Samaria you read it it's like what is going on 
And the four lepers are sitting there on a bench together, and they're like, well, we're going to die anyway. What do you say we go over to the Assyrian army? We're going to die here. And they began to walk. Four lepers began to walk. And the biblical narrative is that the Assyrians heard those four lepers walking, and God made them sound like thousands in an army. It's like he had their, their feet mic'd up and then cranked up with this amazing sound system, something like at Lollapalooza. And he had them all mic'd up, and their feet sounded like chariots and armies just marching that way, and they got up and they fled. And these lepers walk into the camp, and they go, look at this. There's porridge cooking, there's gold and silver, tents are erected, horses have been left behind. These guys are running, they go back to the city. They tell the king, honestly, they're running from me. He goes, this can't be. But send out a couple horsemen anyway, and let's see. And the horsemen are riding, and they're seeing not only that they've got trampling feet going across valleys and ravines, but they're throwing off cloaks and everything. In their fear, they're running from four lepers. Gideon, Samaria, feeding of the 5,000, found in Matthew 14 and the other three synoptic gospels. Or was it feeding of the 5,000? It wasn't. Anytime you hear the feeding of the 5,000, wrong number. Because in Matthew chapter 14, verse 21, it said 5,000 men besides women and children. And at the end of the service today, we're going to explain the role of men in movements of God. Jesus wasn't misogynistic. He loved strong women. But when men take spiritual responsibility for their lives, Katie, bar the door. I'm going to talk to you men at the end of the service, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Little boy says, got my lunch here got five loaves of bread and two fish mom packed it up for me this morning jesus said that'll do start feeding they fed 15 to 20,000 people hungry people on a hill that day not 5,000 15 to 20,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish The power of a few is real today as well. I've seen it. I've seen it in some of you. I saw it in the Philippines with a young group of boys I called the Dynamic Disciples, about a dozen of them. I worked with them one summer. I saw these boys get routinely smacked around, one in particular, smacked around and beaten down by his dad because he dared to believe that Jesus is really the Son of God. But they would come out when the sun came up. They'd be at my Nipa hut with rice bowls in hand going, Pastor Carl, where are we going today? He's a valiant warrior young man. And we got to see an awakening in Talisai Batongas that summer. The 
power of a few is real. There's only one conclusion you can make when you look at the story and the stories of God's movement throughout humanity. When God moves, less is more. Less is more. Today, I want to go to the Word and enthrall your minds with this reality that you might be doing too much. You might be worrying too much. You might believe God for too little. Because in God's economy, all the way through the pages of Scripture, I don't care where you go, my favorite king, Josiah, he was one man that stood up in the face of a godless culture where his dad Manasseh and his granddad Ammon had been sacrificing their sons on hot molten arms of Molech. And he said, I'm going to follow the God of my father David. One man stood up and spared an entire generation of Israelites. Let me be this clear. In God's kingdom, less is always more. It's always more. In Acts 10, all the way through Acts 11, 18, I'm going to read along with you as we see it up here on a screen. At Caesarea, there was a devout man named Cornelius. Now, he's Greek, guys. You need to know this. There's a big shift going to happen in this passage of Scripture. A centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people. This guy knew how to tithe at church, let me tell you. And prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. in the afternoon, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror. Isn't that good to hear? Isn't that good to hear? If, because if an angel of the Lord comes to you, I hope you're not just cavalier about this. I wouldn't be. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. It's a coastal town, by the way, right down the road from Caesarea. And bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with another Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called the two, two of his servants and and a devout soldier from among those who had attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, so that's about high noon, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Isn't this interesting how God's going to use something very natural for him? But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance 
and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners, this is a vision that he has, upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No way, man, I'm a good Jew. Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call uncommon. This has nothing to do with food right now, people. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise, go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called them together with his relatives and close friends. But Peter entered Cornelius. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. Now, why would have he worshipped him? Because he had a vision that he needed to talk with this guy. So he's assuming this guy's got the goods. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, Listen, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit with anyone of another nation. But God has shown me, see it was more than a sheet, that I should not call any person common or unclean. The whole church moves right now from Jews to Gentiles. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your alms, alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging in a house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. See, they're sticking with their storyline here. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, listen to this. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, he could put it now, 
But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee and after the baptism John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And somebody went and got a bunch of water. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. When Peter began and explained it to them in order, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and I got a trance, a vision, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, all the stuff we're not supposed to eat. Verse 7, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. I told them, guys, I promise. I said, No. For nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three more times, guys. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at the very moment, three men arrived in the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, guys, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord 
how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. I was praying about how to preach this passage. And the Lord gave me three points, but I pitched one of them this morning. I have two very important less is more principles for you today from this text that I absolutely stand rock solid on today. And they apply for you and me. How does God do more with less? A prayer spoken earnestly is heard by God. Believe it. Believe it. A prayer spoken earnestly is heard by God. Believe it. We have too much belief in the natural, too little belief in the supernatural. God is answering prayers today. One of my favorite biblical characters, I've been talking about him on radio a lot lately, George Mueller. George Mueller dared to believe that God would hear his prayers. Do you know that in 60 years of ministry, George Mueller wrote down and are documented today 50,000 prayers asked and answers documented received. 30,000 of those prayers that were offered up to God were answered the same day or with an hour of him bowing a knee before God. In modern day dollars, if you transfer the dollars that he received for powerful ministry to tens of thousands of orphans and a preaching ministry that went on until the day he died and he preached on average for the last 15 years of his life one message a day every day somewhere. And the actual dollar amount would have been ready for this, translated today, $500 million, and he never asked anyone for a cent. All George Mueller did was bow his knee and pray. <sighs> Jubes and I, my bride, I call her Jubes, her name's Jeanette. She has a name. Her name's Jeanette. <laughs> Jubes and I are journaling prayers together like we'd never have before. And I got to tell you, part of the new day that we have here is that we must begin believing God for the supernatural and tracking it because it's a faith builder like you can't believe. My bride and I are blown away. Even as recent as yesterday, 
I was, I was driving to a Cubs game, and as much as Mr. Confident Carl here kind of knows what's going on, I didn't want to shell out a lot of money for parking, and the closer I'm getting, I'm just remembering everything on the database says, you get really close to the stadium, Wrigley Field, and you can get a parking space for $70, no problem. And I'm thinking, oh, dear God. I'm getting closer and closer and closer. And we're meeting our daughter and son-in-law and his parents who've come in from New Jersey. And we're going out for Father's Day to Wrigley to watch the Cubs beat the Orioles. And it was sweet indeed, but that, I digress. Um, so we are driving, and I'm driving. And I, and I said, baby, I'm going to go right, right here. And I said aloud, Father, would you supernaturally provide a space that would be so clearly from your hand. We go another 100 feet, no joking. And you might say, you pray for parking spaces? You betcha, man. We go another 100 feet, 70 feet maybe, and there's a guy sitting on a bucket, just a dude, and he's got four numbers. And I'm thinking, $4,731 for a parking space? No. Rolled down the window, said, do you know, do you have, he says, I have parking. It's at this address down this alley. 30 bucks, as long as you want to be here. Your tar, car is totally secure. A home run could almost hit my car where we were at that time. Go down an alley, back in. I said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name's Sargon. I said, great to meet you, bro. I said, man, it's just good. I sense in my heart you're a good dude, and I, I, you never know where to leave a car in Chicago. He goes, oh, I know that. I've been here since 1974. I said, so what do you do? And we talked for a moment while Janine was getting some of the stuff out of the car. And he said, what do you do? I said, I'm a radio host. I said, I'm on a Christian show called Carl and Crew. He goes, Moody Radio. I'm a committed Christ follower, man. I said, Sargon, I got a friend for life here, man. He said, you got a parking space for life, dude. Whenever you're coming down here, you just text me. I'll make sure your car is secure. <laughs> but in the last week, my wife and I have seen a couple of prayers answered that I went to bed last night so excited. Things that I can't tell you. But they're so real, man. Talking with my wife yesterday, I'm like, babe, can you believe this, what God's doing? I said, it feels like a new season we're in, babe. She's like, bub, we really are. One of the subplots that's in this text that you can't see it unless you look at the whole is that Cornelius is praying and Peter is praying. And did you know that sometimes when you pray, your prayers collide with other people who are praying the same thing? Oh. I am absolutely convinced that Corey Pelly and Paul Hansen are here because of prayers colliding. No question in my mind. No question.
And I want to encourage you with colliding prayers. Are you a single young lady or a single young man? I'm asking you to write down prayer for a righteous mate. And I want you to pray believing, and then I want you to have a head on a swivel and look for that man or that woman because our God does something in the supernatural that no swipe left or right can do. I'm not kidding you, man. Are you praying for a place to work? There could be prayers colliding. Are you praying that you could be bolder with your faith? There are prayers colliding. Move from being just a needy disciple to being a praying disciple. And you're going to be blown away at the power of God displayed in your life. Second thing I want to give you. The simple gospel unleashes the spirit of God. Share it. Do you see what Peter did? Guys, he's in Damascus, and all he says is, Jesus came to earth, he healed, he did lots of good stuff. He was put to death, hung on a tree, but he rose again. And whoever believes in his name, whoom, Holy Spirit came over all the people that were believing. Oh, I know, we think we got to have it all down pat. You know what I've learned more and more? This is why I read a big chunk of scripture today. Just sometimes reading right from the book going, all right, well, this is what it says. If you believe in your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that's why it's good to read it, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoa. You know what Barna Group came out with here recently? Everyone listen close here. No distractions. Listen close. Barna Group came out with a poll recently in January of this year polling 2,000 people that reveals something that you need to know. Question. I believe in God or a higher power. Ready for the number in America? 77%. I would like to grow spiritually. 74%. And this one's most encouraging. I am more open to God today than I was before the pandemic. 44%. I know, in the natural man and woman, we think it's going to hell in a handbasket. God's not done. Our God is the God of Gideon. Our God is the God of Josiah. Our God is the God of five loaves and two fish. That's our God. And it's high time we start living it and believing it. Like now. Our God is a God of running from bullets from Romanian dictators and they don't go through the, your back. like family members are sitting here and can testify to, but it's easy to forget what God has done. 
just yesterday I was in having a print copy of something very memorable in my life that I'm going to give to all you men here in just a couple of minutes at a Kinko's I walk in got done with the baseball game driving back out to our house had to get there before 6 o'clock get there just in the nick of time go running in hey ladies how's it going I said that white bandana looks great on you she says, she says I wish it had Nike I said oh it doesn't need Nike you're the brand girl you're the brand and her friend said yeah you're the brand they, they come up to ring me out and they said man we wish more customers were happy like you and I said Come here. I said, come over here. Got them both right across the counter. There's a line behind me. I said, let me tell you a quick story. I said, I wasn't always this way. I said, I had a raging cocaine addiction, and I was hooked on Crown Royal, and I was the life of the party, but I was dying inside. You ever felt like that before? And they're going, eyes wide. Yeah, I think we better agree with this guy. I'm pouring out my heart about what God can do in a life. And I said, February 11th of 1984, Jesus came into the cab of my car and said, are you done yet? And by the blood of Jesus Christ, these are the words I use, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I was healed. And he changed me, and he can do the same for you. Have a great day, girls. They said, we will. <laughs> Listen to me. Less is more. Less is more. Less is more. Less is more. I don't need my concluding illustration. God already has spoken. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you that a prayer spoken earnestly can move mountains, can move us, can strategically place people in our lives that we would otherwise never have imagined. Lord, I thank you that the simple gospel unleashes the spirit of God and that we can share it. Oh, God, keep us out of the natural man and woman. Keep us in the supernatural, I pray. Oh, God, to those that feel like they don't have much faith, Help them to scrape together all the faith they have and put it in you. Knowing it's the object of our faith, not the amount of our faith that changes anything. And you are the object of our faith. I give you praise today. From the bottom of my heart, God, I give you praise.
just a moment, I'm going to dismiss all the women. Won't take but two minutes with the men that I'm going to have come up here because men, we don't need a lot of words to communicate. We grunt, spit, say a few things, and then we're on our way rejoicing. Thank you. But I do want us to have this as a prayer before I let even the ladies go from here. A pure heart. A pure heart. A pure heart. That's what I long for. A heart that follows heart after thee. A pure heart. That's what I long for. A heart that follows heart after thee. A heart that hides your word so that sin will not come in. Yeah, we can stand up together. That's right. It's undivided, but one you rule and reign. A heart that beats compassion and pleases you, my Lord. A sweet aroma of worship that rises to your throne. And now may the God who is mighty enough to hear your prayers and move may you believe in his supernatural power to do it and may the God who takes a simple message of salvation spread it far and wide as you share it to him be glory in the church, both now and forevermore. Amen. I want to ask you, if you would, I'm going to do this very quickly. I don't want any men to boot scoot boogie on me. I know, men, you have a tendency. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I want all the beef right up front. I want all the women to get out of your chairs and go to the back. Now, listen, very important. If you're new here today, ladies, this is the time for you to go to that info booth. Grab a gift that we got for you. Your men will join you if you came with a man. But all men up front right now, let's go. Men, all of you right now, don't delay. I don't want any men out the door. We've got a hit squad that's going to come tackle you if you try to escape. Come on, men.